0: Good morning. All right. There we go. Um so what do we think we're going to make it till midnight? Yeah. All right. I hear I hear some uh a mix. I asked Rich. He said definite maybe. Um so that's you know I I feel like I feel like if I don't go to bed before, you know, what? then I'm just no good the next morning. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens tonight. If you have your Bibles, uh, I would invite you, encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Um, it, it's, I how many of you, let me ask you, how many of you feel the like holiday blues? You guys get that? Okay, I I got we got one two all right I see those hands right um, yeah I I so maybe maybe you can't relate to this I I you know uh, pulling up this morning coming to church um, it was a weird feeling because I, I I keep telling my wife it's like I, it it's so weird to me that. Christmas is over. You know, last time we were all together here, you know, I was talking about how excited I am, and tomorrow morning, you know, and we actually slept in uh, last week. I think my daughter woke me up about quarter to five, so we actually, we actually slept in a little bit this Christmas, you know. Don't want to sleep all day on Christmas. Um, but but last, last week I was talking about how excited I am, and all you know, and the brokenness and all this stuff, and how, we, and then we pull up today and it's like, Ugh. Right, Christmas is over. I'm just kind of in this wah wah space, and and it, it feels to me, and maybe you can't relate to that. That's okay. Um, but it feels to me like it, this, even even today, last last day of 2023. It's it's it feels like it's like an in between. Like, we, we just got done with Christmas, uh, super fun, uh, you know, and, and all the emotions and everything that holds with it, uh, and, and now we're, we're looking out over a new year. And however you approach that new year, whatever you do, as my, my wife and I, um, I'm, I'm blessed to be married to an incredible woman who thinks deeply about things, and she causes me to think deeply about things. And so we sat down yesterday uh, at Toasty Goat, and we spent like forever, um, tar- like reflecting over, forever in a good way, that sounded bad, but uh, we reflected over the past year and looking at our hopes for the next year, and, and what, whatever way you approach a new year, there is this feeling um, where it's like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, know what, I don't know what this space is going to hold. We're, we're actually going to go celebrate tonight with some, with some friends, and, and we haven't celebrated with them for a while, and I think, and I, my wife correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time we celebrated the uh, New Year's Eve with this, uh, these particular friends was uh, December 31st, 2019, Yeah, one person in the first service said, "Don't go, don't, <laughs> don't do it." I mean, I, I can still remember celebrating with them and think, "Oh, 2020, the year of vision, the year of clarity, the year of uh, you know who knew the year of Zoom and pandemic and uh, Uber Eats." It's like, what? How crazy is life, right? We, we approach these, these times of, of in-between and it's like, man, okay, I, I got to take a step because the midnight's going to come. Whether I'm awake or not, it's going to come, right? 2024 is going to be here. We are, we are called to be people uh, of, of the kingdom of God no matter what this new era, no matter what this new year brings. So how do we, how do we step out into that? trusting god being on mission for god what does it what does it look like what does it look like to be in this in between and i and what i see as we look at acts chapter 1 i see a group of people that are in that space that are in the in between if you if you read which we're going to read but if you read before where we're going to be that they go out to the Mount of Olives. The resurrected Jesus is, has appeared to over 500 people over the course of 40 days. They go out to the Mount of Olives and, and the disciples have no idea, really. They have no idea what's going on. It's kind of comical. Um, and the, the disciples are following Jesus and they're asking questions like, Jesus, now are you going to restore the, the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus is like, you guys still don't get it. You, you, don't, you don't understand. He says, you're not there with me. You don't get it. And he's like, it's not for you to know. It's for the Heavenly Father to know. What I want you to do, though, is you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what you're going to do. And then, after he says that, it says that he is taken up to heaven in the clouds. What? What? Right? I mean, we, I think, I think we read the Bible with way too much familiarity sometimes. That is crazy. Right? It's weird. If you were, if you, if you just talk to people about the, the, like that story and the things that we believe. We believe, we celebrated just this last week that God became man and, and through a virgin he was born into, in a manger The the God of heaven and earth and angels declared his birth to shepherds out in a field. And God became man who then grew up, right? And and around 33, he he took on our sin, died on the cross in our place, took on the wrath that we deserve because of our brokenness so that we could be in right relationship with God. And not only did he die and was buried in a tomb, but three days later was raised from death to life, and then he showed himself to like hundreds of people, showed himself, and then was taken up into heaven. It's like that, that is crazy. It's, It's weird, right? Can we all agree with that? Okay, I got one person with me this morning. If you don't think it's weird, you just need to sit with it a little bit longer. And, and so what we see is Jesus is taken up into heaven and the disciples, it says that they're looking up into, cl- into the clouds intently. They're, they're, they're in that same spot. They're like, what just happened? I thought, I thought we were going to be your witnesses. I thought you were going to be with us. I thought you were going to send us out like you did last time and now you're gone. And they're, they're looking intently up into heaven until there's a tap on their shoulder. And it says there's two guys dressed in white and they're saying, men of Galilee, why are you still here? What, what are you doing? Why are you still looking up into heaven? In the same way that Jesus went up into heaven, he's going to come back. So you need to get busy. Let's go. And, and the, these two men, they spur them on and they send them out and they, they go out and then it's this in-between. It's this waiting period, but it's not a waiting that's void of action. It's not a waiting that's void of energy like, like, okay, I graduated from college and I have no idea what to do because nobody's calling me, offering me jobs, so I guess I'll go back and live in my parents' basement. Like, that, it's not that type of waiting, right? It's a type of waiting of like a bull rider in the chute. Have you ever been to, have you ever been to the rodeo? Hardly anybody in first service had been to the rodeo. You guys been to the rodeo? There's a yeah. All right, thank you. We we live in mid Missouri. You should be going to the rodeo, right? There, there's an awesome rodeo in Ashland. They only had like three bulls though when we went, so it was a little disappointing. But anyway, it was it was so fun when that that bull rider would climb on the bull or the bronc, and and they just like they'd just be waiting, and there's this this in anticipation. You're just on the on the on the edge of your seat, waiting for that chute to come open. And it's not a waiting that's like, Ooh. it's a waiting that's like, Ooh. what's going to happen, right? What's, that's the waiting that we see. But here's, here's what I want us to understand. As we think about this new year, as we think about the in-between, and, and what are we, we going to do? We are called to be on mission. And yet, what I want us to see this morning... Is that engaging the mission of God requires engaging the person of God. See, in this in-between, we can say it just a little bit different. Being with God comes before doing for God. Being with God comes before doing for God. So what is, what does that look like? What does that look like in the in-between? In this, in this space where Christmas is over, the New Year's coming. What does it look like? How do we, how do we be with God? How do we engage with God? The first thing that we see, and we're going to read this, the first thing that we see is that we're called to engage God through community. We're called to be with God by being with others. So I, I want us to read, and we're going to, we're going to take this kind of in chunks. Um, so I'm not going to have you stand like we typically do, but we're going to, we're just going to read this together. So uh, Acts, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 12 through 14. And this is NIV, so it's the same Bible uh, under the seat. So if you, if, you have, if you don't have a Bible, take that with you. Uh, that's yours now. Acts chapter 1, sorry, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The first thing that we see in this in between, as we're as we're saying, okay, we want to be on mission for God, okay, but first we have to engage with God. Right? What, what does it look like to be in this in-between? What does it look like to engage with the person of God? Like I said, the first thing that we see is we engage with God through community. The, they are all together in the upper room. They, they just saw Jesus, like we said, ascend into heaven. They walk uh, Sabbath days. It's not even very far. It's like three-quarters of a mile. They don't even go that far. He's saying, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But first walk three-quarters of a mile and wait. And yet what they do, they come together and it says about 120 of his mom's there. I just think that's funny. I don't know why. I'm, probably because I'm a mama's boy. Like, oh, my mom's here. That's awesome. And his brothers, the disciples, everybody's there. And, you know, and again, we can read into the text. I think there's freedom to read into this a little bit. Because as we look at the life of Jesus, there are so many times, so many instances, when when community comes together, they come together and they're encouraging each other, they're coming together, that we, we actually, I believe that we as people, what we see in scripture, is we are created for community. We are. We're created for community. You know the very first thing that God says is not good? Before sin, before sin entered the world, what's the first thing that God said? That's not good. For man to be alone. Right. The very first thing, and it's so interesting. I think I've said this before in a different message. But do you realize that man wasn't necessarily alone in the garden? Who was with man in the garden? God. And yet... He's saying, okay, I've created you with a need that's supposed to be experienced, not just with me. Right? He says it's not good for man to be alone, so he makes woman. And you see, there's, there is this beautiful connection that we have with God. And, and yes, we engage with God, but we engage with God by engaging with others. Right? The, uh, in fact... Uh, there are There are fifty I wrote it down there are fifty nine one another commandments all throughout scripture throughout the New Testament i I almost would say that it is impossible to live the Christian life alone it 's you can 't one another by yourself right love one another, bear each other 's burdens Encourage one another as long as it's called. There are so many different places where we're called to engage with one another. It is not good for man to be alone. In fact, I was uh, reading... Not, it's been, it's been quite a while ago, but there's, uh, I, I read this article somewhere and it said research dating back to the 70s suggests people with weaker social networks actually die younger due to any cause than people who have more extensive social networks. A more recent review of 148 studies concluded that on average having stronger social ties increased likelihood of an individual's overall survival by as much as 50%. Even, even our quote unquote secular society sees that, hey, it's not good for us to be alone. We're not created to be alone. And, and we talk about this all the time. We are, we are more connected than ever and we are more isolated than ever, aren't we? And, and we, can, we can talk about social media and we can talk about screens and lots of times uh, we, we talk about it with an eye to the next generation. Like, I don't remember, I think it was my kids, uh, taught me a new saying, and I, this is free, you can have this, uh, this is for you, but they taught me a, a saying called screen-agers. screenagers yeah, and, and the way I use it, you know, you kind of, whenever you see your kids or somebody younger on their, on their screens, you can say, <laughs> screen-agers. So that's, that's the way you use it. That's the context, okay? So, so you, you can let them really feel the shame and the disdain, right? You just dole that out really heavily <laughs> so that they, you know, it's kind of a, you know, passive-aggressive way to say to get off your phone. But, but see, the, the reality, though, is we can, we can look at them and, and the, the studies are clear. The more time you spend on social media, the more depressed you are. The studies are very clear. And we can look at the next generation and say, well, no wonder you're so depressed. But the, the reality is, uh, it, like around Christmas and the holidays, um, I, was, I was reminded, I actually took a picture. I should have put it up here. I took a picture of, of uh, my kids and uh, my nieces and nephew. They're all sitting on the couch. All of them are on their phones. So we're together, but we're not. Um, and I was like, oh, screenagers, right? Feeling good about myself. And then I realized how often I go for my phone in any kind of downtime. Right? Any time where there's a lull, yeah, we, we don't get bored. Even though we're around people, you pull that phone out. I was like, oh, it's not just them. And in fact, I think my kids at one point saw, it was either me or my wife, they saw me on the phone, they said, screenager. And I said, like, oh yeah, fair, fair enough, I'll put it away. And then, you know, and we, the older generation's like, yeah, that's right. This next generation. But then I looked at my dad during Christmas. He's sitting over in his chair. Guess what he's doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look at this video. You seen this video yet? <laughs> yeah, we're together, but we're not. See, this is, this is an old problem. And it's just manifesting in a new way. If we, are all, we are all prone to isolation. And see, the, the reality is when we're walking into the unknown, we should not... We should not, I'm using that word very specifically, we should not go into the unknown alone. We should not, preparation does not mean isolation. We should not walk into the unknown alone. Right? We we see, I mean, some of the things that happen in community think about Think about all of these people in this upper room, one hundred and twenty people in the upper room if you If you read through the life of Jesus, there were different people that experienced different parts of jesus' ministry the, how many do you remember uh, at the Transfiguration, how many people were with Jesus when they saw his glory just break through? How many people? three right? yeah. Peter, James, and John. Three people. And, and after, after the transfiguration happened, Jesus said, hey, don't tell anybody about this until I'm raised again from the dead. So guess what they're probably doing in that upper room. Oh, you guys, you have no idea. Oh, we didn't even tell you about this yet. Oh, my goodness. And then Peter, you know, he opened his big fat mouth and says, Oh, Jesus, what if we make booths for Moses and Elijah? That'd be great. And God says, no, this is my sin. And, you know, I'm sure that they're just thinking, Oh, and, and you, you guys didn't see it when when Jesus spoke over the dead girl and, and said, rise, and she got up, and then we came out, and, and you didn't see it when Jesus did this, and you didn't see it when Jesus did that. You see, the, the beautiful thing about when the body comes together we get to see a more full picture of who God is when we see how God has worked in your life. In your life. In your life. I was actually meeting with a, uh, hanging out with a friend this past week. And, and he, he just reminded me of this verse in Revelation 12, 11. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Right? See, we are, we, when we come together, we are encouraged to be with God because we are with each other. We get to experience truth. We get to experience God by experiencing others. The, the other thing, the, the second thing that, I, that we're encouraged in this in-between to engage God through is not only through community, but through prayer. It says that as they're coming together, they are continuously in prayer. I think one of the reasons they're doing this is because that is what they saw Jesus do. Right? Over and over and over again throughout the life of Jesus. We see Jesus, he prays before he calls the disciples. He prays before a full day of ministry. He prays after a full day of ministry. He is consistently, so much so that the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray. They're seeing him pray, they're seeing, and Jesus even says, I don't say anything that the Heavenly Father doesn't tell me to say. Well, how does he know what the Heavenly Father wants him to say? Because he is constantly in prayer with his Heavenly Father. And now, Jesus goes up into heaven and he says, you're going to be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, which is where they're at. Judea, which is same, same culture, but a little further out. Samaria, okay, wait a second. Samaria is different culture. It's a lot further away. We don't like their food. We don't like their belief systems. They dress funny. They talk funny. And then where's the last place? We said ends of the earth. Where's the ends of the earth at? Where is, where is that? I don't know. One person in the first service said North Dakota. It could, (laughs) could be. Right? See, this, this is being told to a group of people which their box so far had encompassed about 68 miles. Their whole existence didn't go, uh, I, what, what's 68 miles from here? I should have map-quested it. Is Jefferson City? That's further away, isn't it? No? Okay. I'm not very good with geography. Okay, so we all know what, how far away 68 miles is, right? But let's, let's just say, let's just say your whole existence, you didn't go as far as Jefferson City. I don't know how far Jefferson City is to be honest. 30 miles. Okay, double that. All right. Sedalia. Sedalia. All right. Yeah, between here and Sedalia, we're getting real crazy now, right? Whew, Sedalia. The state fair's there. So your whole existence, you just go from here to the state fair. That's it. All you know is Columbia and Sedalia. You know, and, and now, now Jesus is coming and saying, guess what? I'm going to take your experience and I'm going to blow the doors off of it. I have so much more for you than just what you've experienced thus far. And what do they do? They pray. The, the mission that God had invited them into was so big and so massive, and so incredible, and so life-altering, that they're like, you know what, we got, we got to pray. We can't do this. Craig, Craig talked about how there are 9,400 people within a one-mile radius of our church right now that, that would say they're unchurched. What are we called to? Compass? Compass? What are we called to? We we are a lighthouse for the gospel, aren't we? We are a lighthouse for the gospel. We are called a city on a hill. We're called salt and light to a dark and dying world. We live in a community where there are over 30,000 college students. And less than 2% of those college students are engaged in any kind of spiritual formation. Christian or other. That should drive us to our knees. Right? Because we, I believe, that if we're going to be located in a city where that's happening and we have no presence there, that should grieve us. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like performance mentality. I'm not talking about, I I don't, I don't believe in shame as motivation. But I believe that as followers of Jesus, the things that grieve the heart of our Father should grieve our hearts. And when we when we position ourselves, not only in community, but also through prayer, I believe that we begin to experience more of what God feels, what God thinks, what God is doing, so that when God says move, we're in a position to say, let's go. I, I was, uh, a long time ago, I was reading this, and I cannot remember who said it, but he, he uh, likened prayer and spiritual disciplines to the sails on a boat, right? And the idea is if, if you're going to get into a sailboat and there's no wind, then you're, it's going to be rough, right? You're, you're going to have a hard time getting to where you're going. But if the wind starts to blow, it doesn't make it any easier until you hoist your sails. See, and as we engage in, in spiritual disciplines and when we engage in prayer, it is hoisting your sails to say, God, we just want to move where you're moving. We want to go where you're leading. Lead us. So in this in-between, we can engage God through community. We engage God through prayer. But we also engage God through scripture. If, if we continue to read, um, it says... In Acts chapter one, verses fifteen through nineteen, in those days Peter stood up, and again, this is this is in, as they're in the upper room. We don't know exactly how long they're up there, but it says in those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, "Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Now." Let's pause there because what, what Luke, the author here, does after verse 17 and 18 and through 20, he begins to color in kind of what happened to Judas. And, and he's, he's giving more context and more commentary because what we see Peter doing is he's, he's trying to make sense of what they just experienced. He's trying to make sense of the fact that one of their own number could do this. One of their own number became the guide for the people who killed Jesus. And I think it's so telling that, that when we read scripture, again, we read it with hindsight. We know the end, we know what happened, we know that Judas was the bad guy, we know all that stuff. But when Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, when he was is moved and when he's sorrowful and he tells the disciples, one of you are gonna betray me. What did the disciples say? What did they say? Do you remember? Is it me? They don't say, oh, I know which one's going to betray you. Is that Judas? You know, I've had my eye on him. You know, and when you talk, you don't really talk to him. He's kind of outcast. You know, and when you washed our feet, you didn't wash his feet. Oh, he did wash his feet. Oh, when, when Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me, they don't look to Judas. They say, is it, is it me? Is it me? And then when, even, even when he goes to Judas and he says, go do what you're going to do, do, they're like, what? what's he going to do? Is he going to go pay for the room? These guys, I don't think they're just stupid. I think it was so far outside of the context for what they had experienced so far that they're like, surely not Judas. And now, after they've experienced this, this thing that they're like trying to make sense of, what does Peter do? He goes to the Bible. He goes to Scripture. And he says, we, we, I I don't know how to make sense of this outside of going to the God of the Bible. And he engages God through Scripture. And, and it says there, it says, uh, he says, in verse 24, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. All right, so what he's, what he's referencing there is Psalm 69. And he's looking back through Scripture and he's saying, oh, guess what, guys? We're surprised by this, but the God of the Bible is not surprised by what we're surprised by. Do, do you guys realize that the God of the Bible was not surprised by COVID? Do you, and if, if you have questions about that, we can totally talk through that. We can, we can process that. But do but, you know the, the God of the Bible is not surprised by our sicknesses? The God of the Bible is not surprised when, when our bodies break down and we die? The God of the Bible is not surprised by our job loss? And what Peter does is he goes back through scripture and he says, look, look at this time. It's the same thing Mary did. We t- Craig talked about it last week um, when she's like, I shouldn't be pregnant. What I know about the human body and how things work together, I shouldn't have a baby in my belly right now. But what she does is she goes back to scripture and she says, guess what? Sarah, she shouldn't have been pregnant. But she was pregnant. And what happened with that pregnancy? Oh, God was faithful. I shouldn't be pregnant. I am pregnant. God is going to be faithful. See, Peter looks back and he says, look, the God of the Bible is not surprised by what we're surprised by. And and not only that, but he says, look, the God of the Bible has something to say about what we do next. He, He references there. He says, not only, not only if I can get it, technology sometimes uh nope that's the wrong okay uh there we go yeah verse again verse 20 for said peter it is written in the book of psalms may his place be deserted let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership so that's that's psalm 109 he says okay we we know from what has happened in the past we know what god thinks about this so where is he going we can see what he's what he wants to do by looking at the God of the Bible. See, we as we here at Compass, we want our lives to be oriented around the Bible. We want to, we want to, be, we want to be sunk deep. Our roots be deep in the God of the Bible. Why? Because what God started... Back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 12 when he spoke to Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you so that I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing to the nations. When we sink our roots deep in the God of the Bible, we see that that calling is still for us. It didn't stop back here. It's still for us. The, The God of the Bible has something to say about what we have done, what has happened, and what will happen. And so we're, we're invited to engage with God, not only through community, not only through prayer, but through Scripture. Right? And, and there's, there's one more thing, one more thing that we're going to hit on uh, this morning. The last thing is in this in-between. As we, as we think about, like that bull rider, getting ready to go, and we're, we're called to be on mission. We're called to be his witnesses. We're called to be his disciples. The last thing that we look at this morning is that we're called to engage God through action. In the context of community, in the context of prayer, in the context of scripture, we're called to to engage with him through action. Look at Acts 1, 1 through 26. Therefore... Again, this is Peter talking. He's saying, all right, this is what Scripture says. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. All right, so, so what, what I want us to see here as we think about, okay, what does it look like to engage God through action in this in-between space? Peter looked at scripture and he says, okay, we we need another person to engage with this. Why? Because he just didn't like odd numbers? Like 11, ooh, that just feels, you know, that just feels off. No, because because what we see again, the God of scripture, the the story of scripture in Genesis 12, God speaks to one man, says, I'm going to bless you so that you'll bless the nations. That one man became a nation of 12 tribes And as Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to do something with it. Here's the new church. We're just, we're going for it. That 12 tribes becomes 12 disciples, apostles, which represents God's new creation work being continued throughout history. And so he's saying "We we need another person because 12 minus 1, which was Judas, is 11. So we need one more. So 11 plus 1 is... 12. There we go. We're, we we're, we're, we're firing. All right. So he says, all right, we need one more person. One more person. What happened? Wh- what happened? We just read it. What did they do? We need one person. Verse 23, what's it say? Nominated men. What? Nominated two have, have you ever, have you ever gone to the Lord and you're like, I'm, I want to pray. God, show me, show me where I need to go. Show me the path. Open the door. And he's like, yeah, here's a couple options. Like, no. I wanted one. What, what? See, it's, it's so interesting to me because then they put these guys forward and it's like, yeah, here's a couple options. And then they, they go to the Lord in prayer, right? They pray, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Does he speak to them in an audible voice? No. So Matthias. No, he doesn't. Is there a light that shines on Matthias? Like, here's the one. No. What do they do? Effectively, they draw straws. I don't know. Short straw gets it, I guess. See, I, I believe what they're doing is they are taking steps of action through faith in the context of community, prayer, scripture. Then they take steps of action. I mean, how, I, this this characteristic is seen all throughout the early church. I, I love if you if you look at we're not going to turn there. We don't have a lot of time this morning, but Acts uh, chapter 16, if you, if you read about this, this is uh, Paul's second missionary journey. And it says he, they, they're trying to go into Asia. They want to go into Asia and preach the word. And it says the, the spirit of Jesus uh, kept them from going. It's like, what in the world, Jesus? Do you not like Asia? Like, what's happening here? And, but he kept them from going. And so it's like they, they tried to go to one place. He shut that door. They try and go to another place. He shut that door. And then it says as they're sleeping, Paul gets this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. And so if, if you look at the map, they're trying to go this way. And God says, no, I want you to go this way. Here's, here's the thing though. As I see that, if, if it were me, I'd be like, okay, God, you've called me to, to be salt and light. You've called me to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. Asia seems like a long ways away, so let's do it. And then over and over, doors get shut. At some point, I'd be like, I think I heard wrong. Right? I think I failed. I don't know if you can fail at this whole Christian thing, but I'm pretty sure I just did. And yet, what do we see happen? Continuous steps of faith continuous sin. Okay, we know the character of our God, so let's just keep going. Oh, that shut down? Hey, that's all right. Let's just keep going. See, the only, the only possibility, I believe in the kingdom of God, the only possibility of failure is inaction. We see that in the parable of the talents when, when Jesus is telling a story about the, the, this landowner, and he gives these talents to the men. First one, he gives a lot. Second one, he gives a medium amount. The third one, he gives a little. What's the first one do? He goes and he he does a bunch of stuff with it and he he makes it double. I don't know how, I don't know what he does. He's a savvy business guy. The, The second one, same thing. What's the third one do? He buries it. Why does he bury it? He's afraid. He doesn't know the character of the one who gave him the talents and so he buries it. I believe in the Christian life the only possibility of failure is inaction. When we don't know who God is and so therefore we act out of fear that's failure. But when we as God's people come together when we pray when we seek the God of the Bible and then we say we don't know but we're going to step out in action there's no failure there. There's only faith and love and guidance. I mean, how many of us, if we went to our parents, if we have, if we have good parents, and how many of you, if, with kids, if your kid comes to you and says, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be with you. How many of us would say, oh, I got a place for you. <laughs> Why don't you, uh, you go in that closet over there? <laughs> No, how many of us would be like, all right, let's go. I got some stuff planned for us. Oh, this is gonna be so much fun. Let's go. And see, our heavenly father is not gonna tell us to go where he doesn't want us to go. Compass Church, we'll end here, all right? As we, as we find ourselves in this in-between, as we're stepping out into a new year, we have no idea what 2024 is gonna bring. No idea. We have no idea what tomorrow is going to feel like. We have no idea what's going to happen. You know, we might in July, we might be looking back to this and be like, yeah, you remember when you said that thing? Then you went and celebrated with your friends and there was another pandemic. Maybe you should stop going over there. We have no idea what 2024 is going to bring. And yet the reality is, is we as we are people who are, yes, we're called to be on mission. Before we ever engage with the mission of God, we are called to be with the person of God. So, for you this morning, maybe maybe it is maybe it's community. Maybe you you can find yourself being so isolated. And I'm not talking about introverted extroverted. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about being with others, engaging in with the people of God, so we can engage with the person of God. Maybe for you, yeah, you need to sign up for a connection group. They're going to be starting back up here pretty soon. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's engaging with people in prayer. We can feel so much shame around our lack of prayer. We're not, we're not called, shame does not motivate us. But we're invited into knowing God more through prayer, being prepared. Community, prayer, maybe for you, it's getting into God's word. or maybe you're like, yeah, I don't understand the Bible. Hey, that's fine. Get with people that maybe do. And the last thing is we are called to be people of faithful action. Taking steps. Saying, God, I don't know if this is the door you want me to walk through, but I'm going to take a step. Because here's the thing. I love this quote. You cannot steer a parked car. Right? Some of you will get it later. That's all right. You can't steer a parked car. So the question is, what is God inviting you into? How do we engage with him in this in-between? Would you pray with me? God... We love you. We praise you for, for your goodness to us. God, I, I pray that you would help us to be people. As, as, we, as we think about being in this in-between and finding ourselves in this place, God, would you help us? Would you help us not to be so focused on, on doing, but help us, God, help us to be first be focused on, on being with you. Help us, God, to, to experience you. This relationship that you call us to, God. God, would, would you help us? Maybe, maybe it's community, prayer, wh- whatever it is that you might be highlighting this morning, God, would you help us to take a, a faith-filled step of action? Trusting that you are gonna continue to lead. Would you help us to do that, God? Because I want, I want to be a church filled with people who know and love you And out of that, God, I know is going to flow mission. We love you, God. praise you. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.